Folks, Jesus is here. The great creator, the God, Jesus is here. Praise God, praise God. Never do I want to take that for granted of his kindness and his greatness to us. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. God bless all of those who are part of this service in this Sunday morning to make things flow and to usher in the presence of God. Where Jesus is, anything's possible, and your life can be changed for all eternity in this very service. That's what he has come to do. Let me do a quick refresher course for some of us here this morning to make certain we're on the same page and to help fully comprehend what I want to say this morning. Genesis 1, 1 through 3 says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and was void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. All throughout that chapter, when God said, let there be, there was. John 1, 1 and 3 tells us, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Verse 14, and that word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory of the, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Matthew 28, 18 tells us, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power in heaven and in earth is given to that name. Philippians 2 9 wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father Acts 1 8 but ye shall receive that power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the othermost parts of the earth. Mark 16, 17 says, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up servants, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. John 14, 14 says, says, if ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. First John 4, 4, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. John 14, 12 says, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. I could continue on with scripture, but I wanted to start out with a crash course to remind you there is power in the name of Jesus. And that power is not just for the New Testament believers. That power 
is for whoever will. It is for us today. Let me just give you a sneak peek of where we're going this morning with this sermon. I am done with the children of God being intimidated, being backed down, being lied to, being taken advantage of. I think sometimes we miss the mark of what's happening around us. We shouldn't be fighting against our neighbors or fighting against the government or arguing about things that does not really matter. You have to understand what is behind all of this stuff. You know me that know me well enough. Know that I don't believe there's a devil behind every bush. I don't believe that if you tripped on the way coming to church, the devil's trying to ruin your new shoes. But I do believe in 2 Corinthians 2.11, lest sanctions should get an advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. When Jesus sent his disciples out, he said in Matthew 10.16, behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as servants and harmless as doves. That's why Ephesians 6 tells us to put on the whole armor of God. Why? Because Ephesians 6, 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I'm not telling you stuff to be spooky about it. I think, again, sometimes that's our problem. If the enemy can make this mystical and spooky and only for the ultra spiritual that we run around trying to figure out what is going on trying to figure out what's happening among us let me just blow the cover off this sermon to tell you exactly where I'm going this church is not here to be pretty this church is not here to be some kind of social movement this church is not here to negotiate this church is here to take over is what this church is here to do Take over the enemy that has controlled too long. Take over and bring things back that belong to us. Second Corinthians tells us, for though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. But the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations and everything that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Stop trying to look out how you can outsmart something, vote out something, or convince somebody of something. Sit there and being worried and down and confused. Stop all of that. Somebody put on the armor of God. Fervently pray in the Spirit. Get up and march to victory. Decree and declare some things. Use the power through the name of Jesus. You have authority over every situation. I hope you hear it loud and clear in my voice. I will not debate with the enemy of my soul. I will not bargain with the spirit of darkness that's trying to convince our kids they are useless and there's no hope. I will not sit still and sulk because I'm up under attack. I will not ignore the lies of the enemy trying to convince us that there's no way to win this metro area. We have not come to negotiate. We have come to take over is what we have come to do.
I'm going to read a lengthy portion of scripture to you. I'll expound on it as we go through it. You know the account well, Luke 8, starting with verse 22 to 36 or 39. I don't remember. I think I got the wrong number in here. Now it came to pass on a certain day that Jesus went into a ship with his disciples. Jesus said to those disciples, let's go over and to the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, Jesus fell asleep. There came down a storm of wind on the lake and they, the boat was filled with water. They were in jeopardy. The disciples came to Jesus and woke him saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose, rebuked the wind, the same power that works in you, rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And they ceased and there was a calm. 25, and he said, Jesus said unto the disciples, where's your faith? They being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, watch this phrase carefully, what manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and water, they obey him. The storm was done, the storm was rebuked. Verse 26, they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. This was predominantly non-Jewish people, History shows us that, and also in the story, you'll see in a moment, a group were watching pigs, something Jewish people would not have had, had, had well, they wouldn't have had pigs, they wouldn't have been watching them. 27, and when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man, which had devils a long time. He didn't wear clothes, he didn't abide in a house, he went out and abode among the tombs. 28. When this man, this certain man, saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him. And with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. Jesus, thou son of God most high. That conversation was on a different level. We saw the disciples in the boat saying, what manner of man is this? The demons came up and said, Jesus, you're the son of God. 29. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For it oft times had caught him. This unclean spirit caught the man. And, or they had caught him, the townspeople. And he was kept in bound with chains and in fetters. And he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. 30, and Jesus asked him saying, what's your name? He said, legion, because many devils entered into him. There were two, so many devils, yes, but it also this idea of legion gives a concept of organization and order and trained and strategic and for a purpose. 
31, and they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep, start negotiating. 32, and there was there and heard of many swine feeding on the mountain, and they, the demons, asked Jesus, suffer us to go into them, and Jesus suffered and just said, go. And they went, 33, then went the disciple, then went the devils out of the man, entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. When they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. The news started spreading everywhere. 35. Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus, and they found this demon-possessed, formerly demon-possessed, uncontrolled man, out of whom the devils had were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And the townspeople were afraid. 36. They also which saw it told them by what means... He that was possessed of the devils was healed. I can imagine them just saying, Jesus just simply said, go. And then all of a sudden, pigs went crazy, started crashing into the lake below. And this man here is healed. Verse 37, then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought Jesus to depart from them. For they were taken with great fear, for he went up in, and he went, Jesus went up into the ship and returned back again. 38. Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. Jesus, I want to go with you. But Jesus said no and sent him away. Why? 39. He told him, return to your house and show how great things God has done unto you. And this man went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. Let me just real quickly throw this in here. If there had not been a demon-possessed man, the city would not have come out to see what had happened. And the healed man wouldn't have spread the news of Jesus in a new territory among non-Jewish people. It would seem that we have one demoniac that Jesus went through a storm to heal. I believe he would. He is a gracious and kind heavenly father He'll come searching for the one lost sheep. We understand about that, that about him. But follow along with me for just a moment. I am certain there were many demoniacs. The scripture says in verse 22, on a certain day, Jesus got in a boat and let's go to the other side. Verse 27 says, and a certain man came to meet him. Work with me here. Maybe there is a double meaning. Jesus saying, let's go to the other side. Yes, of the lake. But he was going over to predominantly non-Jewish, a non-Jewish area. It was a new culture. It was a new territory. It was further reaching than they had before. 
Even on his way, there was a terrifying storm. It would seem not just a natural storm. The disciples were terrified of what was happening, and Jesus got up and rebuked that storm. I'm thinking that if he rebuked the storm, he probably didn't start the storm. Was this just another way, another attempt, another distraction, another slowdown to stop Jesus from getting to the other side? As soon as the boat landed on the shore, here comes a smelly, deranged, scarred, and scared, wild-eyed man and worshiped Jesus, proclaiming who he was. It was the evil spirits speaking through him. Those spirits had the audacity to say to Jesus, what have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. Are you kidding me? Those demons had so tormented this man that he was probably almost unrecognizable as even a human. He would cut himself. The townsfolk would chain him to a tree or chain him up as some wild, dangerous animal. These demons had controlled and tormented this man. Then they had the wherewithal to say, oh, don't abuse us. Don't torture us. Don't torment us. After all you've done to this man, that is now your request. But hang on here. I think there's a bigger point here. I'm not overlooking the fact that this man is in pain. He's in torment. He desperately needs help. I'm just not completely convinced it was all about that particular man. I think the bigger issue at hand was Jesus was going to start working in other territories, in other cultures, with other nationalities. A certain day, Jesus said, let's go over to the other side. A storm tried to stop him. Legions who were in that territory came to confront him. It wasn't about leaving the man. The devils were not concerned about that. They were concerned about leaving the territory that they controlled. Let me just say something happens when all cultures and nationalities and skin tones and races bow down together and worship Jesus. Not buying into the distraction of who is better and who is right and who deserves this and who is good and who is bad. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a storm to distract you from where you need to go. Somebody needs to stand up and rebuke that for what it is. Bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We're all created by him. In him there are no divisions and separations, but we are one in Jesus I believe it could have been anyone in Gadara it just happened to be the demons were tormenting 
this certain man. Because it wasn't necessarily about the individual. It was about the territory. It was about spreading Jesus to another culture. I understand the enemy's job description is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But he's not necessarily after you per se. He's after your influence and your destiny and your anointing, your reach. Go, Moshataya, to people. Some of you have weathered storms in your life that you have absolutely no control over and you have no idea what has happened. I have a family member that his birth was absolutely miraculous. He should not even be alive today. And I know of at least two times he was almost killed one time and he almost on a fluke, it was a weird thing, almost died and they had to get him quickly to a hospital over some small deal and then a storm so severe came and hit him so hard it knocked every bit of wind out of his sails. Those are storms. Those are ways to get that person stopped. It's not about taking out that family member per se. It's about stopping them from getting to their destination and what God has called them and ordained them to do. And there are some in here who've gone through some storms and you have landed on new territory. Since the enemy couldn't stop you from getting there, now he wants to negotiate. Dollars to donuts, he'll want to make a deal. I have a question for you and that I need you to think about. What do you have that the enemy is so scared of. There have been storms and distractions and threats and upheavals constantly, it seems, in your life or family. I have come to blow the cover off of some things. Somebody Put on the armor of God. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We are marching to victory. We are not here to negotiate. We are here to take over. We are here to take back. All of you backsliders, I'm not negotiating. We're coming after you. All of you confused and scared and trapped, the rescue team is on its way. To you who have been tripped up or caught in a storm of distraction and hurt and pain, hear the roar of the army of the sanctuary. We are marching into new territory. And when we land, we will not negotiate. We are here to take over. The strongholds have been in place long enough. 
I know it's pain. I know you're hurting. I know you've been tormented. I know it isn't right. I know the storm is scary. I know the voices are overpowering, but I prophesy to somebody here today, rebuke that storm. It's just a storm. Put on the armor of God. Stop negotiating and take over. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Don't get fixated on the pain, the storm, and the lies. Everybody's standing in the place. Because the sanctuary is not negotiating. We are here to take over. We are here to tear down strongholds. We are here to rebuke the sickness. Somebody get this down inside of you. You don't have to take it. Put on the armor. 